buddy. Uh, if you don't know this about us as a church, we, we aren't just in one place at one time. We've got multiple locations. So I want to take this chance, like, hello, all the fellows at RCMU, everyone at West, but, but the East people, hello, East people, people of the East. Uh, I just want you, if you're not aware of this, uh, you are inviting people to church, and you guys are, uh, are growing and growing, and it's awesome. Um, the, if everyone doesn't know, the East folks just got a new little renovation for the kids' area, and uh, it's awesome because there's lots of kids, lots of them, which is pretty cool. But uh, it's just neat to see God doing things all over the whole region. I don't know what your view is of God but I really have something in particular that I hope that you'll hear today. I'm going to say some things that you're going to have to listen to fully. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like not, not like half of it, because I could like grossly offend you if you only listen to half of it. So uh, I want you to listen. We're in a series called 167. In fact, there's a card somewhere around you in the vicinity, on the seat backs, on your seat somewhere. This is just week three, if you haven't been a part of us. This is week three of your opportunity to look at, okay, what do I do with my day? What do I do with literally my hours of the week? And, and we plotted it out for you, at least one thing to do. So there, you're welcome. Sometimes we just need a little bit of guidance. This is your, for you. If you don't know what 167 means, it's clear. You forgot about it. It was taught to you in second grade. Second grade, you were taught how many hours are in a week. There's 168, by the way. We're going to spend an hour. We're spending an hour together, which leaves you with math, I know, 167 more hours until you get to the new week. So when you look at your time, when you look at your week, well, let's let the Bible kind of understand, help us understand. I, I think it's clear. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Like, plug this into the week. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, making the best use of the time of your week, of your 167, 168, however you want to look at it. Make the best use of it. Don't throw it away. Don't waste it. Don't minimalize it. You with me? Because the days are evil. That seems pretty intense. What it's saying is because other people, other things, other moments that aren't good are going to try to take your time. I was expecting an amen there, but okay, it's just my life. Where do you not have a lot of things pulling at your time? Where you look like, I, some of you are like, there's no way I have 168 hours in a week. There's just absolutely no way. Because it gets taken away. Now, if you don't know where you're at right now, I'm a reverend. Don't call me that, by the way. It's a little weird for me. I'm a religious leader. By definition, I am a religious leader. By definition, you are in a religious setting. Even those online, just you're in some weird religious setting, whatever you want to call it. I, religious leader, religious setting, talking about religious things. And in fact, here's what I would say. When I talk to you about your hours and your week, do you not... Do you not expect me to then transfer to your life? Say, let's talk about making sure that you've got good religion in your hours. But see, I think some of us are looking at our week, and in fact, just even by the indication you're even listening to this, this idea that God should be a part of your week, and many of us, we go too far with it. We literally start to say, okay, okay, I need to make sure that, that my week honors God the most, but instead of trying to honor God with it, we turn it into this religious thing. And we got to go after this, okay? If you aren't aware of where you sit and what time you're in, we are walking into what's called the Holy Week. It's because we're about to celebrate this last week of Jesus' life on earth. And many of us, can we admit, get hyper-religious during this week. (laughs) 
In fact, if you don't know, let, let me give you a word, a, a definition. Religion, by definition, is a particular system of faith and worship. That's a, it's not a great definition. If you looked it up, you would find yourself going, yeah, there aren't a lot of great definitions of religion. Religion, a particular system. How attractive does that sound? System. Perhaps you or a friend, is, maybe you've even said this out of your mouth, going, I hate organized religion, the system. So let me, let, me, let me put a question, because I think you and I need to go after this, especially, especially in the time that we're, we're in right now. Here, here's the question. How do we make the best use of our 167 hours without just religionizing it? Now, don't look up religionizing. I made it up, okay? But I think you know what I'm saying, right? But can we just state the awkwardness of this conversation? God has called me to be a pastor, to show people who Jesus is. By definition, people who aren't a part of Fountain Springs Church or maybe don't have a strong, healthy opinion about church or God, whatever, they're going, how in the world is a religious guy talking about religion in a way going, maybe we shouldn't be so religious? So hopefully you're like, is this guy a heretic now? Like, what are, what are we going to do? But we got to have this conversation. And I want to go further with you. And I think you're going to agree with what I'm about to put in front of you. Religion almost always misrepresents God. In fact, let me say some of the things that maybe your friends or coworkers have said. And you've sat there, if you're like me at all, going, yeah, you're saying stuff that I wish weren't true. In the name of religion, I can walk you through history. We're Christians. I should quote, sorry. Christians have killed people who refuse to convert to Christianity. In the name of religion, right? Or I can go to the other side. Other groups, Muslims have killed Jews because... They just were Jews. In fact, all these different religions seem to have, have, have time in their eras, right, that they've killed each other. And if you wonder, like, why were they killing? Because they didn't believe what, what they wanted them to believe. And so the, the reaction to this was to force a, a conversion. Basically, they were taking their system, like, here's our system, and if you don't believe our system, we're going to hurt you. I can isolate just, if you're a historian, the Spanish Inquisition. It's just one, one part of the history of religion where folks were literally told this, either you get baptized right now or we're going to kill you. All in the name of religion. My guess is you've had these conversations, maybe not with the details, but with the people going, yeah, church, no way. Then you can walk this even closer. Even in our own state, in the name of Christianity and the system of religion, people have been forced to be a part of a certain system that had really nothing to do, was misrepresenting God and forced to convert, forced to do certain things. And you and I are left, can we admit, with a little bit of, I'm not sure about religion? Maybe you've already gone there. And then modern day now, the, I mean, our papers, are, our, our news feeds are full of scandals in religion. Kids being abused. Religion, money being completely stolen, people being manipulated in the name of religion. 
Do you see how weird it is for us just to have this conversation right now? Because you're like, aren't we supposed to ignore this stuff and pretend like it doesn't exist? And like, no, because then you and I are left with the misrepresentation of God. And what a time. What a time we live in where you and I can prove, you and I can prove that religion often portrays an image of God that I think God himself weeps at. And so if you don't read statistics, I do. They say now there are more people declaring on their census no religion than ever before. And sometimes they're like, oh no, I can tell you a lot of them are not saying I don't believe in God. They're saying religion is messed up and I want nothing to do with it. So what, what, why don't we just pack it up, <laughs> Right? Why don't we just say, all right, religion is screwed up, people are screwed up, it seems to be broken, let's be done with it, and never, ever, ever, ever go to church again or be a part of it. Because some of us are a part of religion for some selfish reasons, for some things that aren't the healthiest. Let me give you some images. Some of us use religion for a safety net. In other words, we're afraid to go to hell if hell happens to be true. So we've believed this statement like, well, it's just safer to believe in God than it is to, to not. So I'll just go that way. That's called a safety net. That's called manipulating the system. Do you understand that? That's just for instance, hypothetical. Let's say people decided in order to get the kids into college that they manipulated the system. And then it, then it fills our news feeds, doesn't it? And if you've heard about, see, some of you already know what I'm saying. If you don't know, if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, there have been parents who have been buying off colleges in order to get their kids into that college. And we have opinions about that, don't we? Here's the problem. Many of us are doing the same thing with religion where the only connection we have to God is, I sure hope I do this religion thing okay enough so I don't go to hell, because hell sounds horrible. It's the same manipulating the system. But maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe, maybe Christianity religion is more of a, well, what I would call a business plan. It's where, like, well, according to what I read in the Bible, if I, if I give God certain things and if I serve in certain ways, well, it's a good plan for me that will produce certain things here on planet Earth, and that will work out well. In fact, if you watch too much TV, you might see some televangelists doing this, where they'll say, hey, I've got the best business plan ever, and we buy into the business plan. We buy into religion. So let me say something that I think I've overstated already. Our use of religion often becomes self-serving. And it has for years upon years upon years. So why don't we just lock the doors, sell the properties? Because there's Jesus. And even though you and I in our own individual lives, even though you and I in our collective church, religion, whatever you want to call it, even though we have misrepresented who God is at different times in our lives, don't just look at other people and say, you've screwed it up. No, many of us have had days where we did not represent the Savior that we were claiming to be a part of, right? 
There's Jesus. You know, Jesus called out the hypocrites. He, he wasn't one. He didn't support one. He, he, he wasn't politically correct. You know that Jesus didn't bring about a, a re- rebellion through war. He didn't even use that kind of language. Do you know what Jesus, he had, they were giving him power. They gave him power. And literally, his disciples were begging him to actually become the king of the actual government. And, and he took that power, that authority. You know what he did with it? Well, he, he, he helped the sick with his power. He helped the poor. He fed people. Most importantly, he engaged what's called the sinner. You and I, people who have messed up. That's what he did with his power. That doesn't sound like a whole bunch of system, religious stuff. That doesn't sound like Jesus. And here's the deal. We're walking into Holy Week. What if your 167 hours were about Jesus and not religion? Just for a minute, just just for a minute, think about that. Just process that for a little bit. If you might be willing to take religion, whatever your version of religion is, and shelf it for a little bit and say, you know what? I don't know if this pastor guy's preaching some heresy and some weirdness. What if you shelved your your religion just for a little bit and said, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to give Jesus 167 hours. What if we did that even in the season that we're in. If you would consider this, if you would at least entertain this idea just for a moment of taking your religion and giving it up and going after Jesus, as you, as you contemplate that, let me tell you about a guy who did it. A guy who actually said, religion, over. Let's go after Jesus. Paul is his name. It was not his original name. He he's, used to be called Saul. Now, here's the deal. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, all the details right up front. Saul, when he was Saul, was super religious. In fact, he was considered one of the most religious people, one of the greatest religious leaders of the time. He actually spent a lot of his time helping stop, trying to stop what was called the way. Now, you might not be familiar with the way. It's what you and I know as Christianity. It didn't used to be called Christianity. It's called the way. More specifically, he tried to get rid of all the Jesus followers. Because the Jesus followers, they believed in and taught something different than his religion. His his system didn't mesh with them. So if you want to know quite literally, Saul spent his time literally trying to kill them. Or just imprison them. And he was good at it. In fact, he was so good at it. He was known by being one of the best, in essence, bounty hunters of Christians. Christians were scared to death of him. Because if he found you, if he let you survive, you would spend the rest of your life in jail. Paul is known as holding the the coats, the jackets of several people as they picked up rocks and killed Stephen the Christian. This guy's... This guy's pretty ruthless. Well, Saul decides to follow Jesus. I just really robbed you of the whole story because there's a whole bunch of details. You're like, what? He went from trying to extinguish Jesus followers to being one of them. 
And, and so what messed his, with his life is he would show up to town, now a Jesus follower, now excited to show people who Jesus is. Because like, he's like, my religious ways, they were not correct. They were wrong. I was bad. But let me tell you about Jesus. Well, what happens when a dude who used to kill Christians shows up? The Christians go like, we're not talking to you. Right? They're not dumb. They're like, you're just trying to trick us. So they would run from him. They were so afraid of him. But then the religious leaders actually saw that he was changed, so they didn't want to have anything to do with him either. And so when he shows up to town one time, everyone is so scared and freaked out that for his own safety, and they're, they're like, what do we do with him? They just arrested him. Because like, we don't know what to do with you, so you're in timeout. That's basically what they did. They put him in timeout where no one could get to him. Well, the news spread so much so that this guy who used to kill Christians, he was religious. Man, he was so good at religion. But now he's claiming that he's a follower of Jesus trying to spread the news about Jesus. The news went all the way to the king because the king's like, say what? So the king, King Agrippa is his name. If you want some neat history, he's the grandson of King Herod who tried to kill the baby Jesus. King Agrippa hears about this dude, Paul, who, by the way, got his name changed by God when he got saved. And now he stands in front of the king, the king. And the king's like, I'd like to hear your story. And Paul's like, I've been waiting for this moment. And he, we have documentation of his story, of what he tells the king. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. I know I told you all that, but you need to know that before I read this. So he's just fessing up. I used to oppose Christians. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, authorized by the religious leaders. I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times... I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. If you don't understand what was just written, this was documented, he even fessed up to it. He used to get followers of Jesus, bring them into the Jewish synagogues, and force them to renounce Jesus. In other words, to curse Jesus, to commit the unforgivable sin. The dude was ruthless. I was so violently opposed to them that he even chased them down in foreign cities. In other words, I was like, I went after them. He's, he's saying, if you don't catch, I was in my religious system. I was a part of the system. I was doing what the system told me to do, and I believed it was the way to worship God. Does that not sound what you and I read in our news? People doing things in the name of God that are like misrepresenting God in all the ways. Well, he keeps telling a story. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, because uh, that's what you do, okay? If you're out and about, and there's a sun shining, and then all of a sudden, something brighter than the sun shines down on you, my advice to you is drop to the ground. 
because you indeed have God eyeing in on you in a way that you've never experienced before. And he gets it. Because do not translate Paul, even though he's doing horrible things, as someone who doesn't believe in God. Oh, he believes in God. He just believes in a religion that serves God. So they dropped to the ground. That's, that's, yeah, that's what you do. We all, we all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, remember his name was Saul. Uh, why are you persecuting me? This radically would have confused him. He'd been like, I mean, do you think he was probably expecting, okay, God's talking, he's about to like, to praise me, right? Like, man, you're awesome. You're killing it, literally. I mean, he's probably thinking like, this is about to be like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get awards right now. This is going awesome. And then this voice, this voice says, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. So now you find Saul completely confused. Have you ever been there with religion? Where you've seen something or heard about something that happened in religion, and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't mesh with God, and now God's, what in the way? Have you ever found yourself going, I'm confused about who God really is? Uh, that's where he's at. So he does what you and I would do. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> well, I probably would have screamed it. Like, who in the world are you? I, might have, I don't know what I, but do you see the question, right? Powerful. It tells you that he's confused because he's been a religious leader doing the system, working the system, going, I do this, I go to heaven. I do this, I go to heaven. This is awesome. What an awesome way of life. Then all of a sudden God says, hey, hey, you're persecuting me. So he's like, who, who are you? In other words, he, he's now questioning like, um, if, if uh, you're God, oh no. And here's a response. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus. Just for a moment, would, would you give me a few seconds to let that land? That the man who used to and was all the way to that moment trying to kill Jesus' followers now finds himself on the ground, a light shining down on him and a voice from heaven saying, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. His system just blew up. You know what my prayer is for you? That your system would blow up. That what fuels you would be more Jesus than a systematic way to get to God someday. Jesus interrupted Saul, who then he renames him, calls him Paul. Now some of us would be like, well, I'd like that. What if you're having that right now? Would you like me to shine the lights in your face? What if you're having that right now? And so, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, why are you persecuting me? Like, I don't like that. He gives them a mission. Now, get to your feet. More Christians should do this. 
Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me. Like, tell them. Tell them about this. Tell them this story. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. In other words, like anyone and everyone. To open their eyes. So they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Lots of words. I flew through it. He just gave Paul a mission. If you missed the critical part, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins. It doesn't say what religion has tried to do. Then we will convert them to our ways. Then we can get them to buy into our system. If you want to know what what Jesus wants, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. table religion and let me tell you about Jesus Jesus wants anyone and everyone to know and experience forgiveness of sin that's what he wants so in the midst of something that happened way in antiquity to a guy named Saul and he becomes Paul he's doing his thing his system and then now we find him getting a calling to where he's in prison talking to a king which I love you see how he didn't pull back He's doing exactly what he's, he's like, here's what I'm supposed to do. So king, <laughs> I'm not trying to bring you religion. I want you to understand and experience forgiveness of sin. Is that what you have been doing with God? With religion? If you want to know what, what Jesus, when, he, when, he, when Jesus walked this earth, uh, he, he, he told us why. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's, that's why he showed up. To seek and save those who are lost. Those who are sinners. Those who need forgiveness. We're like, who are those? It's you. It's me. It's everyone who's ever existed. We have needed forgiveness. And Jesus showed up to bring it. And then didn't, he didn't just say, hey, I did this. It's done. He begins to call people out one by one by one. And then by groups of people going, here's what I want you to do. Show people who I am. So I want to, I want to close the series with another 167-hour statement. Our 167 hours should be a pursuit of what God loves rather than what we prefer. And can I just say that many of us prefer the system. There are, there are models out there. I call them models. I don't, I don't want to call them Christianity. There are models out there that have these systems where if you do this, then, then you get God. Or you, when he's invited us into a relationship, not a system. So now you and I, we go into Holy Week, go into Holy Week, which there are tons of religious things that you can do, and I'm not hating on them at all. I'm going more towards the underneath part, the heart of it. Do not do religious stuff because it's religious stuff. 
Go after Jesus. And so I'm hoping that I'll get to see you again on what we call Easter. Easter's a big deal to us as a church. Because frankly, let me tell you, if you don't know much about what Jesus did for us, if Easter didn't happen, then what we're talking about, what we're doing, is just a system of behavior modification. But there's Jesus. And before Easter, I will tell you, Jesus was killed. Proven fact, written in the logs of the Roman government, of the religious leaders, everyone knew he died. But then three days later, he's up and walking around. Over 500 people, over 500 people, over 500 people, over 500 people saw him walking around, not making it up. It wasn't an era like it is today where we make things up for the sake of getting ourselves some fame. No, if you said something that was a lie, you often became an outcast. Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do with your week. You're 167. I don't know if you're going to be a part of one of our Easter services. I hope that you will. I seriously hope that you will. I am amped up about it. I can't wait to talk about Jesus and what he's freed us from. But wherever you find yourself this week, I challenge you to to take religion and say, I'm not gonna go after the system. I want Jesus. I hope you'll want Jesus. Jesus invited all of us to simply begin to follow him. If you're like, how do I walk this out? Like, what's a, how do I walk? This? Just open your Bibles and start to read somewhere in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Start to read about Jesus, right? Just start to read about him, learn about him. Don't, don't jump to like, okay, I've got to do, no, no, it's not what you have to do. Just start learning about him. And if you're like, oh, I've got that, I've read that. Maybe you've got all the gospels memorized. Good for you. Once you understand who Jesus is, let it out. Start inviting people to come hear who Jesus is. And if they're like, I hate religion, you're like, so does my pastor. Hates it. Now, hopefully that'll be a help. He's not a fan of it either. But anyone and everyone should hear who Jesus is. Do you agree with that? I think you kind of do. Anyone and everyone should hear who Jesus is, should know who Jesus is. Do you agree with that? Yeah? Okay. And live that out. Live that out. And I'll see you in about 167 hours. And we will celebrate who Jesus is. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we are forever grateful. Forever grateful for Jesus. God, would you forgive us of the moments, the hours, the weeks that we have, we have misrepresented who you are. God, I am guilty of that. This church is guilty of that. I think we're all guilty of having moments where we have not represented you the way you deserve to be represented in accurate ways. God, you are incredible. We love you. God, would you use this week not to bring people to religion, 
to bring them to your son, Jesus Christ, to mercy and grace and forgiveness of sin. But would you use us, us in the northern part of the United States of America, to bring the message of Jesus to whoever will listen? God, I pray that your favor will be upon all of the Easter services. God, would you begin to prepare even the service at the prison? Would you prepare the services at East and West and even the folks who will tune in online? God, would you begin to prepare, prepare for moments for people to hear who you are and to welcome you into their lives? God, we love you. And we want to be all about you. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.